Tanya Avery. And I'm Holly Clark, host of the Infuse Classroom Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Be sure to check out all of our other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today is Eric Schinniger, a senior fellow and thought leader on digital leadership with the International Center for Leadership in Education. As a former award-winning principal, Eric Schinniger is the author or co-author of numerous best-selling books, including Digital Leadership. Changing Paradigms for Changing Times that was recently released as a second edition with 50% new content. Be sure to buy the book wherever books are sold. Other popular books by Eric Schenecker are Uncommon Learning, Creating Schools That Work for Kids, Learning Transformed, Eight Keys for Designing Tomorrow's Schools Today, Brand Ed, Tell Your Story, Build Relationships, and Empower Learning. Eric is also a popular keynote speaker and will once again be a featured speaker at the annual Model Schools Conference in June. If you truly have a passion for reimagined schools, then you're gonna love this conversation with one of the nation's leading voices on how to create better schools for kids. My conversation with Eric Schinniger begins right now. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reimagined Schools Podcast. My special guest today, is an award-winning principal, best-selling author, international keynote speaker, and everyone knows him on Twitter in this education space. It's a great thrill to welcome back to the program, Eric Schinniger. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good, Greg. Excited to be back. Well, it's great to catch up with you. I've always been a, tr a huge fan of your work, and uh, we're going to dive into some exciting new projects you have uh, that we're going to talk about. We're also going to talk a little bit uh, in the podcast about the Model Schools Conference that's coming up in, in June in Washington, D.C. But let's just start with you. And uh, been spending a lot of time on the road, I can see, by following your Twitter feed. And you still have that passion for going out and talking to folks about creating better schools for kids, don't you? Yeah, you know, and, and, and I've seen sort of an evolution in my work. You know, when, when I first sort of left the principalship, you know, it was a lot of keynotes, workshops. But as of late, I've been doing a lot of job embedded coaching. And when you look at the research, you know, this is the work that's so much gratifying for me because the research says professional learning that is job embedded and ongoing gets results, improves outcomes. So being able to roll up my sleeves, uh, go through projects from start to finish, show the evidence of how, you know, whether it's innovative practices, changes to pedagogy, are actually having a positive or direct correlation on learning outcomes. It's pretty exciting work, Greg, I'm not gonna lie. And uh, that's what's tying up a lot of my time. And it, it's just awesome to also be able to build those relationships, you know, and sort of kind of still have some skin in the game. You know, one of my biggest fears leaving the principalship was not having a real pulse on, you know, what educators need or what they're going through. 
But in his role, uh, expanding role as job embedded coach, it really is adding a new dynamic to the work. And you and I have talked about this before, but you've influenced me greatly over the years uh, with the book Digital Leadership. And I still think your TED Talk, uh, you know, Creating Better Schools for Kids, is one of the, the best educational leadership TED Talks uh, that you can listen to, folks. So you, you know, Google that and check Eric out giving that fantastic TED Talk. But what I've always admired about you, Eric, is that you always put kids first. It's always about how can we create a better space for kids? Yeah, and, and, and that's the key is, you know, when we think about who we serve, uh, when we're in education, for, you know, for the most part, you know, public education, you don't work for parents, you don't work for boards of education, you don't work for superintendents, principals, you work for kids. And sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our heads around because we see them as kids. But as servant leaders, whether we're leaders in the classroom, the school or the district, our job is to continuously grow and improve and find ways that we can meet all learners where they are at. And that really takes uh, a consistent effort to take a critical lens to our work and ask ourselves, are we preparing kids for their world? Are we preparing kids to survive and thrive in a world that we have no idea what it's gonna look like? And if I was to pare that down to a phrase, you know, don't prepare kids for something. Prepare kids for anything. And that really requires us to empower our kids to think and apply their thinking in ways that are relevant, authentic, and solve real world predictable and unpredictable problems. And, and I made reference briefly to the book, uh, Digital Leadership, Changing Paradigms for Changing Times, that came out in 2014. And I'm really excited, and I know you are as well. You're getting ready to release a second edition. And in this second edition, over 50% of the book's going to include new content. So can you just kind of walk us through your thought process in creating the second edition and why you're so fired up about it? You know, I'm fired up because, you know, we, we see all these changes with technology. And I wrote a book and actually revised this book to really focus more on leadership dispositions, not the tools. Tools will change, but our classroom building district leaders equipped to lead that change, regardless of what the tools are. A big focus throughout, the big over, overreaching theme is efficacy. You know, we set goals, but what's the degree to which we reach those goals? And when we think about efficacy, two other uh, sub-themes are, you know, are we looking through research to support our claims of new and better and pursuit of innovative practices? Do we know what really works? And are we looking at evidence? Evidence through qualitative and quantitative means that really shows we're improving outcomes. You know, this addition is more practical. It's more realistic. You know, I try to always put myself in the shoes of teachers and administrators. I still remember what it was like to teach and be an administrator. Some of the ideas that are pandered around on social media are, are quite fluffy. They don't have that substance when you're dealing with socioeconomic challenges, budget crunches, uh, failing infrastructure. So that practical realistics embedded throughout. Also, I made this uh, edition evergreen. Technology will change. My hope is that this version of the book will withstand the test of time. Again, focusing on leadership. As you mentioned, uh, reorganized chapters and content, new content, built-in study guide. There are four to five study guide questions at the end of every single chapter. 
there's a less focus on tools, more on leadership dispositions. Also a call that anybody can be a digital leader. You know, we look at us right now, Greg, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been talking. We weren't connected. We didn't know who each other were and we weren't sharing our work. Now it doesn't mean, matter if you have a title, position or power. It's about will you use the digital assets that are available, take action, change the narrative, and showcase what you're doing. So, you know, as we think about, you know, all these different uh, assets of digital leadership and, you know, focusing on the fact that, you know, yes, anybody can be a leader. You know, the other thing that I tried to do uh, with this edition was focus on having some digital resources at the end. Uh, of the uh, the book. So, you know, that's that. There's also a pick and choose structure. You can start with any chapter you want. You don't have to go sequentially. And finally, full color, digital resources in the back and afford by Sugatra Mitra. And if you're not, if whoever's not familiar with Sugatra Mitra's research that started in 19, late 1990s, here's the premise. He put a computer in a hole in a wall in rural, or in rural India. And what did he find? that kids were able to learn on their own just through access to that computer. Imagine the possibilities when we take that critical lens to our practice, improve teaching, learning, and leadership. Imagine those possibilities for our kids. Yeah, it sounds like a wonderful read. And folks, uh, I think we're now in the pre-order stage, so you can get on uh, Eric's website, ericshendricker.com. Uh, and you're going to be able to buy the book wherever books are sold, I'm sure. You know, we think about professional learning and how that has grown and evolved over even the last five to 10 years. And one of the things very popular right now is the book study concept. Uh, I also have a lot of districts uh, using this particular podcast for podcast studies. So uh, just kind of hearing you talk us through the, the new edition, I would think it would be fantastic in a book study format and kind of Give us some thoughts on, um, you know, a superintendent or principal or team leader kind of leading their team through your book in that book study um, space. Yeah, I think any effective uh, book study or study of, you know, whether it be through video, audio, in the case of a podcast, is, is really to have an open mind. You know, a book in itself shouldn't provide, cannot provide all the answers. And that's what I say when I speak. I go, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I can't give you all the answers because I don't know you. I don't know your culture. I don't know your challenges. So when you think about a book study, the idea is, yes, here's the content. Here's some ideas. But it really is using those guiding questions to align it to your culture, your challenges, your vision, your mission. What outcomes do you want? And hopefully through that book study, it doesn't just come up with some action items, which every question should develop action items, but it should really evolve into more questions that are specifically suited to where you're leading from uh, and where your school or culture is at. So I think the most impactful part of a, a book study is developing uh, action items at the end and following through. And hopefully through that study, whether it's my book or another resource is, how will that manifest itself into an action plan? How will that action plan take into account that shared vision, that mission, the outcomes that you expect? How will you hold yourselves accountable? I mean, that's the big one. What, uh, what constructs will you put in place internally to improve professional learning and support for your teachers? How will you go and garner more resources? So, you know, with a lot of questions, 
throughout uh, my particular book, I'm asking people to think about, well, what evidence do you have to support what you're doing now? What evidence do you need going forward? Um, what does the research say? Um, how has student work changed? How has assessment changed? How has instructional design changed? So a lot of questions for them to think about and hey, you either have it or you don't. And that's the important piece about evidence, Greg, is it doesn't have to be data, but we can look at multiple measures to really determine if change is taking place and if that change is having a positive impact on kids. And let's talk a little bit about the title. Uh, you know, you, you hear the term digital leadership, and there may be some people that automatically think, that, oh, this is a book on all these technology tools. But if we're going to make this timeless, it's so much more than just the technology tool. There are things in the book about school space. Uh, you've talked a lot about what we need to do in terms of improving instructional practice. So the digital leadership is, is an overall concept, a mindset, if you will, of how you want to uh, revise maybe your leadership philosophy. There are some tech pieces to this, but kind of talk about the, the big picture uh, holistically of, of leadership from this digital space. You know, that's a great question, Greg. And, you know, and I remember, you know, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought the digital piece up because I get stereotyped, pigeonholed into being the technology guy, the digital guy. But when I look at where I am now and what we were able to accomplish in my former school, it was because we fundamentally improved teaching, learning, and leadership. We improved evaluation. We tackled grading, homework. We looked at learning spaces. Technology was one piece of that. The main core of the book is a focus on the seven pillars of digital leadership. These pillars are foundational elements found in every school, every district, every educational system. It's what we already do so the premise here is let's get a good idea of that foundation. And you have student learning engagement outcomes. That's pillar number one. Learning spaces, environment, pillar number two. Number three, professional learning and growth. Those first three are all about improving the work. And that's the key. It's not saying we're doing bad work, but there's no perfection in education. There's no perfect teacher, administrator, school, district, state, country. What does that mean? We have the opportunity to grow and get better every day. Pillars four through six are about sharing the work. Pillar four, communication. Pillar five, public relations. Pillar six, branding, this brand presence. And then finally, seven is opportunity. Improve the work, share the work, opportunity follows. Opportunity could be resources. It could be funding. It could be uh, outside school experiences for kids. It could be professional learning. But when you look at those seven pillars, the idea here is how well are you leading change in those seven areas? And what is the symbiotic role that technology plays to enhance and support the work? That's the key. Technology should enhance and support the work. When we look at student learning, the one question I ask all the time, how are kids using technology to learn in ways that they couldn't without it? So as we start thinking about those questions, those pillars, we could ask the same type of question aligned to our core practice, which helps build sort of a more articulated vision for where we are, but more importantly, where do we want to be? Where do our kids need us to be? 
And, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, maybe why Digital Leadership Second Edition would be a great book study for uh, your school team. But there are also two other fantastic books that you've put out uh, in 2015, Uncommon Learning, Creating Schools That Work for Kids. 2017, Learning Transformed, Eight Keys to Designing Tomorrow's Schools Today. How did the other two books I just referenced kind of segue into this new edition? I'm sure there are a lot of principles from Uncommon Learning and Learning Transformed as well. Yeah, I'd say I got a lot of inspiration and background uh, knowledge from those two books. I mean, Uncommon Learning, uh, I wrote when I was still a principal. So a lot of the content strategies and ideas uh, come from a, a practitioner lens. They, they were being implemented by my teachers at the time, uh, by my leadership team. And when we look at Learning Transform that I co-authored with Tom Murray, you know, we took it to a whole nother level with that book by, you know, really digging into the scholarly research, citing over a hundred different studies to support the points that we were making, having innovative practices in action that show how schools and districts take the research, apply it, and get better results. So I say those two books really helped me sort of expand my thinking and add more context and depth. That was some of the pushback I got on the first edition of Digital Leadership in particular about pedagogy was there wasn't enough context and depth. Well, I fixed it. The, ped, the chap, chapter five on student learning uh, engagement and outcomes is by far the most lengthy chapter. It has the most visuals. It has examples. So I, I'd say those books as well as Brand Ed, uh, which I co-authored in uh, 2017, all three of those sort of became my go-to resources to expand the work, but also to look beyond, to look for other supporting resources that would help to validate and add substance to the points that I was making in digital leadership. And you know, I, I love talking about school design, or in this case, school redesign. And I know this happens to you a lot. It happens to me as well, doing the podcast, being out, doing some speaking myself. But people that have an opportunity to be on a, a committee or maybe on the ground floor of creating a new school, they always ask me, what should a 21st century school look like? You know, what are some of the, the common principles? So if you think about school design today, you know, what pops into your head and when, what are some of those conversations like that you have with people? And before I answer that question, I caution everyone, what should 21st century learning look like? Because here's what happens with whether it's one-to-one, -one, bring your own device or school redesign. We put the cart before the horse. We want to get all the stuff. But I, and we stress this in Learning Transformed. I stress this even more in the new edition of Digital Leadership. You can't change spaces and expect better results if you don't change pedagogy. So with that being said, after we really take a hardcore look at, you know, building that pedagogical capacity, then you think about learning spaces. Research has shown that classroom design can impact learning by as much as 25%, positive or negative, furniture, layout, color, acoustics, temperature, lighting. So when you think about the characteristic of spaces, flexible, comfortable, mobile, uh, utilizing outdoors, uh, a appropriate amount of stimuli. 
you know, and, and I think again, you know, what I love talking about is when we look at these designs, how does those elements really feed into great pedagogy? Blended learning is one of the major aspects and new additions in this book that I uh, digital use I focus on. Blended instruction is what the teacher does with tech. Blended learning is where kids use tech to control path, pace, and place. Path, pace, and place can be influenced dramatically by innovative classroom design. So it's kind of pairing those two, Greg. It's looking at what the research says about spaces, making the spaces look more like the real world, whether we get inspiration from Google, uh, from Starbucks, and focusing on these questions. You know, would we want to learn in the same spaces as our kids? And would we want to learn under the same conditions as all of our kids? Those two driving questions should get us to pause and reflect and really take, again, that lens to our spaces and think about, hey, let's start in a common area. Let's start in one classroom. Let's start somewhere. And, you know, as we circle back to thinking about what's best for kids, and I've heard you talk about this many times as well, you know, what's the disconnect between the five-year-old that can't wait to get out of bed and run to school to begin the first day of kindergarten, the best part of their day is riding the school bus, they just cannot wait to start that school experience. And then, you know, by first grade, second grade, third grade, mom can't get them out of bed and they actually dread getting up and going to school. So what happens to that enthusiasm from age five to say age eight? It's sucked out of the kids because kids are doing school. You know, school is something that was, we did school, Greg, you and I, no matter what we say, for the most part, we did school. When kids do school, often it comes at the expense of relevance, authenticity, passion, you know, and what kids want to do is, you know, I focus on these three questions in digital leadership. Kids don't want to just know what they learned. They want to know why are we learning this and how will we use it outside of school? At the lower grade levels, it's really more focused on innocence, passion, creativity. But that kind of uh, uh, is uh, sacrificed as kids age through once the testing protocols start to come into play. That usually happens in grade three. And as kids get more tested, there are the sort of uh, mandates that come down that prepare for the test. And districts, hey, I'm not saying standardized tests are not important, but districts have to really focus on bold leadership. Districts have to focus on marrying, yes, we want our kids to achieve, but we also want them to be the next thinkers, doers, inventors, creators, invent, uh, and you know, entrepreneurs uh, that the future needs. So when we all comes down to it, if kids don't see the value in school, we will not see improved outcomes. We won't. So that's why we really have to pair that, that relevance, that relevant application in terms of the learning process to keep our kids authentically engaged while also, again, challenging them to think at the highest levels of knowledge taxonomy. And I know you also speak a lot about positive school culture, as do a lot of people uh, in this education space. But, you know, I, I agree with your point you made earlier. A lot of people want to dive into problem solving and look at the next big thing in order to incorporate some kind of change, hoping for a different result. 
but too many times you need to look through a very internal lens and look at your school culture. There may be things internally that you're going to have to change first before you can take that next big step. Yeah. And, and often, you know, the most dangerous phrase in education, that's the way we've always done it. Or, hey, you know what? We're doing pretty good. Our test scores are, are, are awesome. Why change? And, you know, I, I think we fall victim to a comfort zone or a zone of fear. Whether it's comfort or fear, they act against learning, against growth, against the pursuit of innovation. And, you know, I know for me, looking outside my silo, which was my school, utilizing social media to really learn how to unlearn and relearn to get a, a good pulse on not only what schools were doing that were similar to mine, but how they were finding success. So I, I think we, we have to be open, Greg, to learning, to growth. You know, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll make an excuse. And as we think about change, we have to be focused more on not being afraid of failure. You know, Zig Ziglar states, fear, forget everything and run, or face everything and rise. Our kids need us to face everything and rise. Our respective staffs need us to face everything and rise. So as you look at culture, yes, you want it to be nurturing, but that culture should really resonate with our teachers, with our kids, with our parents. That's why it all, again, comes back to the interconnectedness of the pillars of digital leadership. Improve the work, share the work, build a celebratory culture. Pat ourselves on the back. Share those practices that are improving learning. Share how we've overcome challenges and struggles. Because you know what? Social media taught me one valuable, well, taught me many valuable lessons. But this is probably the most important. Together we're better. The more we share, the more we can inspire and start to scale the work. And I think that's an important concept that we also have to be aware of is every school has isolated pockets of excellence. All kids deserve excellence. So we have to really not just focus on research, evidence, efficacy, but also scalability. And, you know, I know you and I both get this question a lot as well. You know, what do great schools look like? You know, wouldn't it be great if I could hop on a bus or hop on a plane and go visit the 20 most innovative schools in the country? But you've really kind of brought those innovative schools to the masses with the Model Schools Conference. Can you talk about that concept a little bit as well? Yeah. And, and before I talk about the Model Schools, I'll tell you, if you want to know what great schools look like, <laughs> my answers, your answers don't really matter. Ask the kids. The kids will tell you what great schools look like. And that's, I think, an important aspect. Now, with model schools, you know, uh, the conference was started uh, over 25 years ago by Dr. Bill Daggett, who founded the International Center for Leadership and Education, who I have the honor of working uh, for. And the premise was simple. Let's provide a international venue that actually showcases what is really working. So with model schools, we have two strands. We have those schools that, uh, have, a close, that have closed the achievement gap, uh, that are getting results aligned to traditional metrics. We also have an innovative uh, track where schools that are implementing innovative practices have the evidence to showcase you know, how they've improved outcomes for kids. 
And the, what the conference does is we build the program around the teachers, administrators, schools, and districts who are actually doing the work. You get to learn from those who are in the trenches. And our whole program is built around those innovative schools and districts. Yes, we have keynotes. Yes, we have featured speakers. Yes, we have guest speakers. But the difference between model schools and every other conference is a focus on the true practitioners who are doing the work and getting real results. And there's still time to register. The conference is June 23rd through 26th in Washington, D.C. Uh, Simon Sinek will be one of the keynote speakers. You can get more information at modelschoolsconference.com. So, Eric, it's been a tremendous honor to catch up with you. And uh, I'm really excited about the second edition of Digital Leadership. And kind of as we wrap it up, I do want to give you a closing thought as you talk to not only school leaders, but educators throughout the country about doing this great work and creating better schools for kids. Well, I really appreciate you having me on here. And, you know, what I try to remind everyone, Greg, is, you know, there are no experts. You know, social media has flattened the world. There are no experts. But what we really have to think about, again, where we are, but more importantly, where we want to be. In order to get to where we want to be, how will we employ new thinking? How will we embrace new ideas, new strategies? How will we show that it, 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 it's just not blowing in the wind, that it's not a great, just a great soundbite or visual, that this is the work that other educators can grasp onto, adapt, evolve, and improve outcomes in their respective uh, situation. And, you know, when we think about success and we think about, you know, creating schools that work for kids, if you really want to know how well you're doing in your position, ask your kids. Use tools so they're honest with you. And don't get frustrated. Don't get upset. But use it as an opportunity to really get a handle on culture. The last thing I'll mention is, you know, we talk a lot about student agency, you know, voice choice, advocacy. That's another uh, theme that I thread throughout the book. You know, so how are we amplifying student voice? How are we allowing them to choose the right tool for the right task or choose where they want to learn, when they want to learn? So when, when it all comes down to it, you know, we got to be more empathetic. And I'm not saying we're not empathetic, but we got to be more empathetic. Our kids are dealing with a world that we could never have envisioned. They got a lot going on. They got access to information. But through empathy, we can really set the stage for providing all kids a holistic education that better meets their needs and their respective learning path. Well, it's been a great conversation. And again, I've always been a big fan. And folks, you can follow Eric Schinniger on Twitter at E underscore Schinniger. You certainly want to check out his great new website, ericshinniger.com. Check out the Model Schools Conference site and be sure to pre-order the book, Digital Leadership, Changing Paradigms for Changing Times. So with that, we're going to wrap it up for this edition of Reimagine Schools podcast. And remember, folks, always do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Hi, this is Tate. I am seven years old and I am in first grade. I like school and I love technology.
Thanks for listening to my Uncle Greggy's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimaginedschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to drgreggoins at gmail.com or on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins.